Have you ever thought about the purpose of your salvation? Well, I'm Chad Roberts, and I want to welcome you to Awakened to Grace today because this is exactly what we are talking about out of 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. If you ask most Christians, why has God saved you? Well, most people will say, so that I don't go to hell. But you know, that's not the biblical reason for your salvation. It's part of the reason, but not the main reason. The foundation of our salvation is so that God is forever glorified throughout all eternity, that God would redeem us, a sinner. Yes, he'll be glorified through our salvation forever and ever. And you know, it's interesting to me, it actually quite surprised me when I began to study 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11, that when Peter instructs us, on how to glorify God, I would have thought that he would have said, you know, you glorify God by all of the good things you do, or you glorify God through the way that you worship him, or you glorify God through, you know, things you do for the church, whatever. But no, you know what he says? He says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. Friends, that's the key to glorifying God. When we begin to use our gifts to serve, but in particular, to serve one another. I want to talk to you today about what it means to be saved in order to serve. Before we get into our text, I do want to invite you to visit my website, awakenedtograce.com. There you can read my story. You can learn how I went blind some years ago, became a blind pastor, the challenge that that was for my family and my church, but how God has strengthened and sustained me through all of that trial. You can also click our store and you can see all of the products, all the resources that we create and develop so that this gospel can continue to spread as far and wide as what we can spread it. Visit AwakenToGrace.com today. Well, let's go to our text, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11, on today's edition of Awakened to Grace. Well, today I want to talk to you about a topic that matters so deeply to me personally. And my goal is to help you see why it matters biblically and why it matters to the very heart of God. You and I live in a very different culture unlike any that has ever been on the earth. You and I live in a day and age that families have almost no margin in their time, Families do not eat dinner together any longer. Everyone is on their devices. Everyone is constantly going opposite directions. And we live in a day that people do not connect and people do not grow together. One thing that I notice out of older families in our church, I notice many of them have very rich and meaningful friendships. 
One thing I notice about younger families and middle-aged families, they have work. And that's about it. You and I live in a day that you would think that the technology, you would think that all the devices, you would think that all of the tools and everything that we have would free us up with more time. But is that true? We have less of it. With more at our fingertips, with more tools than any generation has had, And yet we have no margin in our lives. So I realize that when I speak out of these scriptures today, I realize that that I'm speaking to many, many people who will not sit there today and say, well, that's not for me. And I'm not interested in that. No, I don't think people are saying that. I think people are going to hear what I have to say today and say, I can't. I have no margin. You don't know my day-to-day. You don't know my routines. You don't know my rhythms. You don't know my demands. You don't know what life demands out of me. I hear you. Trust me. But nonetheless, I want us to look at the eternal word of God. I want us to set our culture to the side. I want us to set our demands to the side, our busyness to the side, and I want us to hear plainly and clearly what the Lord would say to his people today. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as stewards of the varied grace of God. If one speaks, let him speak the oracles of God. If one serves, let him serve out of the strength God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through the Lord Jesus Christ. To him belong dominion forever and ever. Amen. What beautiful words. Today, we're just going to extract out of this text. We're going to break it down phrase for phrase, in some cases, word for word. And let's take this exhilarating journey together. I want to talk to you today about saved to serve. Saved to serve. I want us to understand today that the Lord has not saved any of us to be a spectator God, his ultimate plan for you is not to sit in a 23-inch wide, thick-foamed cushion chair and take notes. Although I love note-takers, you're my peeps. God has not saved us to come into his house and sip our lovely coffee and listen to the powerful music. And be spiritual consumers. God has indeed saved us to become spiritual contributors. Not spiritual consumers. There's something for the note takers. You should write that down. But anyways, I move on. (laughs) I I want you to hear my heart today. God has saved each of us for one great purpose. 
that is to glorify him through serving. What, what did that phrase say in verse 11? In order. In other words, here's the conclusion. Here's the point. Here's the point of your salvation. Here is the point of your servanthood. Here is keeping your eye on the ball. Here's getting it right. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. The ultimate purpose, the eternal purpose of your salvation is going to be to glorify God forever and ever and ever. You are going to be a display of God's glory for all of eternity. So if God was done with you, why would he not just take you right on to heaven? Do you know why, my precious friends? It's because you and I have a set number of small boxes called 24-hour days. And you and I only have so many. There is a predetermined number for each of us. And the way that we're going to glorify God forever and ever, much of it depends on what we do with those boxes in our daily life. Do you waste those boxes? Do you let those boxes slip right through your fingers? Or for some of us, do we fill those boxes with meaningless things? Things that when we're singing God's grace 10,000 years from this day will mean absolutely nothing. Is anyone with me this morning? What do we do with those windows of 24 hours that God gives each and every one of us? What are we doing with them? Let's understand God's word today. Notice what he says. As each has received a gift. Oh, I love this. Because yes, we are part of the body of Christ. Yes, we are the collective church. Yes, God sees us as his body, as a group, as a corporate body. But let me tell you also, God sees you as an individual. One of my favorite aspects of studying Revelation 2 and 3, a couple of years ago when we were in the seven churches of Revelation series, is no matter what kind of judgment came upon that particular church, whether they were going to be removed from the lampstand or if they were going to face tribulation. or In the case of Laodicea, if the Lord Jesus was going to spew them out of his mouth. No matter what judgment came to the group, what did Jesus always say? But to the one, to the individual, to the one who overcomes, this is what will happen. I thank God. That he pays attention to individuals. Amen. Amen. I have no idea what our attendance is today. I don't know if the building is uh, full. I don't know if the building is... I have no idea. I don't know how many's here. But let me tell you, no matter what kind of crowd is here today, no matter how many's watching online, let me assure you of this. God knows you as an individual. As a matter of fact, he's so well acquainted with you that the Bible declares that God has the very hair of your head numbered. Isn't that something else? Now, some of you, it's a less of a trick. <laughs> some people have heavenly hair. 
There'll be no parting up there. No, oh, Lord, you can tell I'm preaching with no notes today, can't you? I'm just saying whatever comes to me. Let me tell you, if you asked me what the number of my hairs were, I couldn't even begin to tell you. And you know what that tells me? That tells me that God knows me better than I even know myself. And Satan will tell you what God don't understand or God's not listening or God doesn't know how you feel or God, what a lie from the end. God has the very hair of your head numbers. Don't tell me God doesn't know exactly how you feel. He does. He knows. And God has taken you, the person that not only he has bestowed his grace upon, the person that he not only died upon the cross for, he takes you, the individual, that he loves you so much, he numbers the very hair upon your head, he he knows you so well that he gives you a fingerprint that is so unique that no one else has it, and God so uniquely gifts you. As each. God doesn't see a crowd today. You realize that? God sees you. God doesn't see a crowd. He sees you. I don't know, but that just makes me pause. And that makes me feel the extraordinary love and grace of God in my life. God knows you. Why? Because he formed you. And he knitted you together in your mother's womb. As each has received. Oh, I love that. Number one, I want you to know each of you have a spiritual gift. Matter of fact, I believe you have many gifts. A couple of years ago, we did a a large series on spiritual gifts called Discover Your Spiritual Gifts. And in that series, I argued that I think that Scripture does not give an exhaustive list of of gifts. I think there are numerous. Scripture gives uh, two or three different sections of the gifts, and in those sections, they list different gifts. I think that's a clue that there are numerous, numerous gifts, more than, than what we know that was revealed in Scripture. You have received gifts. Now, understand, number one, it says each. I want you to understand that. That's you. That's me. That's your spouse. That's your children. Each has received a gift. I love this. Peter doesn't say, as each has earned a gift. Doesn't say that, does it? As each has become so lucky... That they have gotten a gift. No. As those who are talented has been given gifts. That's not what it says, is it? There are no qualifications here. There there are no stipulations here. No. Each has received a gift. Church, I want you to understand that you have received giftings from the Lord Jesus Christ. And and let me tell you another clue biblically that I know that each of you have a gift. Later on in verse 10, it's going to tell us that we are to be stewards 
of the manifold or the varied or the various grace of God. If you pay careful attention, when the Bible teaches gifts both in Corinthians as well as in Romans, here's what you will find if you pay attention to it. Every time that he links the giftings, he always links grace with it. And here it is in 1 Peter 4.10. The author of the Holy Scriptures, the Holy Spirit, he once again links it. Gifts with grace. So you know what that tells me? See, how many of you today, you've received the grace of God in your life? You didn't earn salvation. You weren't lucky enough to receive Jesus. You certainly, you were not smart enough to receive Jesus. (laughs) How many of us can say amen to that? I'll say amen to that. Because let me tell you, the Bible says, given the choice, men will choose darkness rather than light. So if we weren't smart enough and we weren't lucky enough to receive such amazing grace from God, then how did we get it? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For salvation is a gift of God, not of yourselves, lest any man should what? Yo, you got it. Lest any man should boast. So how did you and I receive the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ? It is a gift. Grace is a gift from God. So are your spiritual gifts. For a believer, an authentic believer, to sit in church and say, I'm not gifted. It's not true. For a believer to sit here and say, God could not use me. That's not true. Now, you may not be talented, but that's okay. Because God doesn't look for talent. You are gifted by the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that brought you the rich grace of God is the same Holy Spirit that deposits into you spiritual gifts. And do you know why they are called spiritual gifts? Because they're not natural abilities. Do you understand that? Spiritual gifts are not natural abilities. They are spiritual in nature. What does that mean? That means that the source of them is the Holy Spirit and not you yourself. See, Christ is the vine. You are the branch. Is everyone with me today? Now, as each, that's individual, that's all of us. What am I talking about? We are saved to serve. As each has received, we didn't earn it. We didn't get lucky about it. We we weren't smart enough. We weren't clever enough. We weren't intelligent enough. No, it's the sheer grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that we have received both grace and giftings. And now what does he say? This is my favorite part. Use it. (laughs) I can hear Peter right now. Use it. God has deposited special things into you. 
You have special abilities. God will enable you to do things. God has blessed you and given you things. Now, use it. Let me tell you something a lot of people don't know. And I hadn't planned to say this, but I'm, this is a good place to say this. Two years ago when we did the series on spiritual gift tests, we had hundreds of people send in their spiritual gift test. And I listened to each and every single one of them. It was such a joy to me. Being your pastor, there are many of you, I knew your gifts. I would listen to, it would email me all the results and I would think to myself, oh, I know that person. And I would think, oh, I bet she, I bet hers is compassion, mercy. I bet hers is intercession. I bet hers is uh, uh, helps. And it would go on there, compassion, helps, intercession. And so many. Isn't it something that many people can see things in us that we can't see in ourselves? Is that right or wrong? That's true. And I listened to every one of them, and it thrilled me as a pastor. Well, there are many people who had the gift of faith. Now, what's the difference between a gift of faith and all of us who, I mean, we have to have faith to be saved, right? It's, uh, salvation is, is faith. It's, it's not by works. It's by faith and grace. But what is the gift of faith? The gift of faith is that God gives some people an extraordinary ability to believe God for various things. Now, Jesus would often say, according to your faith, be it done unto you. And there's some people who they just, they've got, they've got a unique level of faith. And um, those people, I asked Pastor Glenn to go back through the archive and identify every single person who had the gift of faith that was in our records. And I sent them an email. And I told them first about the First John Project. And I said, before we ever take up an offering, before I share it with the entire congregation, before we create campaigns, before we do anything, I want you with the gift of faith, I want you to join me in praying about this. I, I, I desire your prayers. Let's push this thing through to the glory of God. See, that's people with the gift of faith exercising it, using it. There are so many of you today, church. You have the gift of helps. You have the gift of hospitality. You have the gift of administration. There are so many rich and varied gifts within you that, oh, I just can't even tell you the things that God has deposited inside of you. And what is the biblical command? What is the biblical instruction? Did Peter go, as each has received a gift, study it? Huh. As each has received a gift, do a spiritual gift test, get all excited, and just talk about it. Huh. Faith without works is? Why? Because faith is a verb. Faith is action. 
You put action to your faith. And what is the action here? What is the call to action? What is the instruction? Don't study about it. Don't talk about it. Don't pray about it. The Bible says, use it. Hallelujah. And this is my challenge today, church. And all of the great things that God is doing, and let me assure you, God is doing great things. You take 17 spontaneous baptisms last Sunday. What a move of the Holy Spirit. You take 40 days of prayer and fasting. What a move of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, church, there is a harvest of righteousness that we are going to enter into, that it is going to be breathtaking. Amen. But hear my heart today, God is not preparing us. God has not set these things in motion. God has not led us up to this point for us to be spiritual consumers, but to be contributors. How do I know that? Because each of you and me, we have received from the Lord, not ourselves, Not some book, not some Bible study, not some small group, not some technique, not some motivation speech. We have received from the same God that gave us grace. He's given us gifts. Oh, hallelujah. You see, you ought to write this down. Serving is the natural response to a life surrendered to Jesus. It is. And if you've tasted of the rich grace of God, if grace has come into your life, do you know what the natural response ought to be? Where can I serve? What can I do? My little boys, I was teaching them yesterday morning. That song, I'm in the Lord's army. I'm in the Lord's army. Sign me up. Amen. Use it. Use your gifts. Now, how do we use it? Okay. Peter's Peter's not going to leave us to ourselves to figure this out. Use it how? To serve. To serve. To serve. Use it. To serve. What did Jesus say in Mark 10, 45? Jesus said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. When the Bible calls pastors ministers, do you know what the Greek word for minister is? Servant. As a matter of fact, Paul used a word picture with ministers that would not fly in most churches today. It wouldn't work in most churches. And would to God that it would be able to work here. When Paul said that ministers, when when he says we we are ministers of the gospel or ministers of the church, you know what the word picture he uses? The slaves that were down in the belly of the ship with those massive oars that was down there 
rowing the ship forward. Can you get that image in your head? Rowing it forward. How many people, if they can't be at the captain's wheel, they don't have any interest? Let me tell you, the captain's wheel belongs to one person, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? If you think you're going to be at the captain's wheel at this church, you're going to be mighty disappointed. You might as well go somewhere else because you ain't, you're never going to be at the captain's wheel of this place. It's Jesus. Amen. But if you want to get down in the belly of the ship with us, if you want to join hands, if you want to start moving this thing forward, that's the life that God's looking for. Those are the people that God will bless. Amen? Serving. God has called us to serve. Oh, I love it. And when it gets down in your spirit, and when it gets down in your heart, you'll be all about it. You'll be all about it. Now, how are we to serve? Now, there's something interesting here. If I were Peter, of course, we know he's led by the Holy Spirit because 2 Timothy 3.6, all Scripture is breathed out by God, right? All Scripture, not some of it, all of it. All Scripture is inspired by God Almighty. God used men to pen it, but they weren't the true author. The Holy Spirit's the true author. If I were Peter, I think I would have said... As each has received a gift, use it to glorify God. In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. But that's not what he says. Do you know what he says? Use it to do what? Serve one another. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? So how is God glorified through the Lord Jesus Christ when you and I take our gifts and we use it to serve one another? <laughs> when we get the horizontal right, the vertical's going to be right. Amen. When we use it to serve one another. You know what that tells me? That tells me that I'm not an island to myself. Now, hear my heart right now. We are not islands to ourselves. In our device world, in our screen world, most of us just all day just screens. Screens. All day. Anybody track your screen time? Is it not scary? We are to serve one another. And you know what this tells me? See, Jesus said, just offering a cold, a cold glass of water in Jesus' name, he notices that. When you do things unto the least of these, boy, that gets the attention of the Lord. When you do things that you expect no payment in return, you expect Nothing in return at all. You do it as unto the Lord. Let me tell you, he notices that. Use your gifts to serve one 
another. Oh, you get that down in your heart. I'm telling you, it's going to open. It's going to open doors of spiritual maturity into your life like nothing else could. God hasn't saved you to be an island to yourself. God, and, and, and let me just say this. There are some of us, and, and listen, I'm not throwing stones at you right now. Okay? Hear my heart because I'm, I'm just like you. There are some of you, you walk into this place every week and you stare straight ahead and you enjoy everything about it, but you don't know anybody. I'm not throwing stones at you, my friend, because I'm a lot like you. I'm very, very private. Is anybody like me and you're private? You're so private, you won't even raise your hand, will you? I know. I can stand up here and I can talk. I don't care how, how many crowd it is, I can talk. But you get me one-on-one and I'm a bit reclusive. I don't like going over to people's houses. My wife, she's so weird. Oh my gosh, she's the weirdest person. If it, I, I, went, I went to someone's house. Pastor Brett and I went the other day to pray over somebody and we had such a wonderful time, and we did. I loved it. And they said, Chad, next time, bring your wife. And I said, oh, you don't want me to do that. I said, if my wife were here, I said, she'd have her shoes off. She'd be laying down on your couch. She'd go through your fridge to see what you have. I mean, she's weird like that. She just thinks everywhere's home. There is nowhere home to me except home. And I don't want to be nowhere else but home. (laughs) Pastor Brett's wife calls me a a social moth is what she calls me. (laughs) A social moth. Whereas Sadie's a social butterfly. Well. (laughs) But, But hear me. I understand. I understand. But let me tell you, my friend, God hasn't saved us to sit in rows and stare straight ahead. That's not why he saved us. He saved us to serve. And you can't serve. Now, give me, give me because you know I'm blind and I can't see you. Give me a hearty amen if you're with me right now. Amen. You can't serve one another if you don't know one another. Now that's a good word. You can't serve one another if you don't know one another. You say, well, Pastor Chad, what if I'm the, what if I'm a social moth like you? Well, you know what the Bible says to us social moths? If someone's going to have friends, If someone's going to have friends, they have to... (sighs) Gonna have to show yourself friendly. We got to put ourselves out there. We got to get uncomfortable. We have to be willing to say, what's your name? Where do you live? What do you do? How long have you been here? You got to be willing to do that. Some of us 
The Sadies of the world, no problem. <laughs> but the rest of us, that's a big ask, isn't it? But there's a reason you can do it. Because the Bible commands us. Serve one another. You could come into this church and you could be a model believer. I mean, you could know your Bible. You could absorb the sermons like a sponge. You could tithe exponentially. You could worship the Lord with all of your might during the worship time. And utterly ignore this command. Serve one another. Let's don't miss the mark on this. And I'm preaching to the choir. Amen. Okay. Serve one another as stewards. Now why are we stewards? Because it was never ours to begin with. God's grace is not yours to do whatever you want. And neither are the giftings of God yours to do whatever you want? God's gifts are not there to lie dormant if that's what you choose. No, you are a manager. You are a steward. And you know what the Bible says that God does with his managers and his stewards? He holds them accountable. And one day you and I will be held accountable on how well we served one another. And see, many of us, we've missed the mark on this because many of us will be able to say, oh, I served God. But pay attention to the text. God is glorified when you serve one another. That means you got to get involved in people's lives. That means people have to know your name. That means you have to be vulnerable. You have to put yourself out there. you gotta, you, you got to get in circles, not in rows. As stewards of the varied grace of God. And then as I wrap up today, verse 11. If anyone speaks, let him speak the oracles of God. In other words, it's not our opinions. It's not what we think. It is, thus saith the Lord. Amen. If anyone serves, let him serve in the strength God supplies. See, some of you go, Chad, if you knew my work life, if you knew the demands on me, if you knew my family life, if you knew everything that I didn't get done last week, if you knew how tired I was at the end of the work day. Now hear me. Here's the danger, church. There's many of you right now, you're going, you know what, when life slows down, I'm going to get involved. When the kids grow up, I'll get involved. When I finally get to retirement, I'm so close, then I'm going to get involved. When I get some debt paid off, then I'm going to get involved. When everything gets better, that's when... I, no, you'll never do it. Trust me, you'll never do it. You'll never do it. When is the time to serve? The time is right now. Right now. You say, Chad, I don't have margin. I'm so tired. Go with me real fast, just real quick. Somebody give me a time check. What time is it? Okay. Oh, oh, I'm, I'm okay. We're, we're, you know what? It don't matter where you go out to eat. It's Mother's Day. It's going to be so crowded. <laughs> Why don't you just give me to about 1.30 and 
I'm kidding. I'm joking. Go with me real fast. Colossians 1, verse 28 and 29. Paul says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. See, that's the bottom line of Christianity. That's the bottom line of our church is that everyone be mature in the Lord. That's our bottom line. But then look what he says in verse 29. For this I toil. You talk about how tired you are? You talk about how exhausted you are? You talk about how there's no margin in your life? No, look what Paul says. For this I toil. You know what the Greek word here for toil means? It means to labor to the point of exhaustion. Struggling. But see, Paul tapped into something that very few of us know anything about. I read this verse back when I had eyesight, and I remember the first time I ever read it with eyesight, and it stunned me. I, it stopped me right in my tracks. And look what Paul says. Paul says he toils, he struggles with what? With his energy, with his strength. Which he powerfully works within me. <laughs> oh, my friends, do you know what this means? This means when you are doing the will of God. This means when you are serving one another. This means when you are using your gifts. This means when you labor to the point of exhaustion, to the glory of God. Do you know what? You tap into an energy. You tap into a strength that is not yours. And let me tell you why it's not yours. Because the grace is not yours. Because the giftings are not yours. Everything we have down to the breath in our lungs is a gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if God is going to give you his grace, and if God is going to give you his gifts, then will God not give you the strength to do the will of God for your life? You bet he will. I live in the energy that he powerfully works within me. <sighs> it's not my work to begin with. It's not my glory to begin with. It's not my will to begin with. It's not my grace. It's not my gifts. It's not my strength. That's why, like Paul, we can say, in Christ we live, move, and we have our being. Because it's all Christ. Amen. Amen. Now, last thing. He'll give you the strength. But just so we don't get focused on ourselves. <laughs> just so we don't make these giftings about us. And we don't make grace about us. And we don't make serving about us. And we don't even make one another about us. Because we'll do that, won't we? when he says that God may be glorified in everything in everything oh and then just to add it on to him be dominion to him be glory forever and ever 
There are many different ways you can connect to Awaken to Grace in a more personal way. First, visit our website, awakentograce.com. Second, you can subscribe to our podcast, Awakened to Grace with Chad Roberts. Third, you can download our free mobile app. Simply search Awakened to Grace wherever you get your favorite apps. And lastly, send me an email directly. It's simply Pastor Chad Roberts at gmail.com.